Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we pray for a powerful anointing. Holy Spirit, reveal to us the Word of God and apply what we are learning to our lives and to this church. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You may be seated around the church tonight. Hallelujah. We're going to start in Romans chapter 6. We're going to read verse 1, and then we will read verse 15. These are the two fundamental questions that really set the tone for this chapter, verse 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Then verse 15. What then? Shall we continue in sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Both times Paul gives the same answer. God forbid. God says no. The fundamental point in both of these verses is still this. As believers in Jesus, we have not been called to live a sinful lifestyle. Let me repeat this. We have not been called to live a sinful lifestyle. Anyone who tells you anything else, they are not biblically correct. We have not been called to live a sinful lifestyle. One page over. Chapter 8, the last line of verse 1, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, who lives their life following the leading and the guiding of the Spirit. We, as the believers in Jesus, we have been called to live our lives by following the leading and the guiding of the Spirit. Not by living a sinful lifestyle, but by living a Spirit-led lifestyle. Are we together on this? The book of Ephesians Book of Ephesians, 
And let's turn to chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And let's start with verse 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord. Let's hold there for a second. Testify in the Lord, as in the Lord Jesus, through the Holy Ghost, told Paul what to say. What follows next is thus saith the word of the Lord. And what did Paul say? That ye, ye being believers in Jesus, the ye in this case is we, that we henceforth from this point Forward. For us, it really began when we believed in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection. That was the time our sins were forgiven. That was the time we became new men in Christ. That was the time that our lives changed. If you are looking for a moment which defines our life, our conversion in Jesus is that moment. From that moment on. Now tonight, let's also define henceforth as from this present moment going forward. Everything that was is in the past. Tonight, we are looking ahead from this point forward, not from this point backwards. This point forward. Let's keep going. That believers from this point forward walk or live their lives, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. In other words, the believer has not been called to a sinful worldly lifestyle. In the days of Paul, when he went to Ephesus, This city was wholly given to idolatry. One of the scenes that Luke wrote about was the near riot when the people were chanting to their god Diana in opposition to the church that was getting started. The idolatry and the lack of morality in Ephesus was really its calling card, what it was known for. So when Paul is addressing this issue to the Ephesian church, he is being very clear. 
Do not worship idols. Do not live a sinful, immoral lifestyle. The believers have not been called to this. The rest of verse 17. In the vanity of their minds, having the understanding darkened, being alienated or completely separated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. The people in Ephesus. Now Paul is clear. Before Paul arrived in Ephesus, nobody heard of Jesus. The first time that Jesus was truly preached in Ephesus, it was by Paul in Acts 19. The city was a sinful city, but when Paul said that they were separated through the ignorance that is in them, it simply means they had not yet heard about the Christ, the cross, the resurrection. When Paul arrived in Ephesus, they knew nothing about the morality of God or how they could escape from the consequences of our sins. We need to remember that so many outside the walls of the church, they know about Jesus in the historical sense. They do not know about Jesus in the spiritual sense. They think they know God, not realizing that there is no way to God without coming through Jesus Christ our Lord. They do not realize it. They do not know this. So yes, at this point, ignorance would apply to them as well. But something is going to change the ignorance. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ preached with Holy Ghost power. When the gospel is preached in Holy Ghost power, the ignorance, the blindness will begin to lift. For the only way out of ignorance of sin The only way out of the blindness of sin is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. The gospel and the power of the Holy Ghost working together will break the hold of sin on a person's life. The sinful lifestyle that they lived will be broken when the gospel is preached 
in Holy Ghost power. Are we still here? So when Paul describes blindness and ignorance, it was because they did not know the gospel. But when Paul arrived and he began to preach the gospel, souls became one to Jesus. Verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. Connecting this with verse 17, 18, 19, which is what? Do not live a sinful life. Christ has not taught you to do this. Are we together on this? Now, why did Jesus give us the Holy Ghost? When the infilling of the Holy Ghost came into our lives, it was so we could have help living this life. When we follow the leading and the guiding of the Spirit, He will lead us away from all wickedness and unrighteousness. But you have not so learned Christ. Verse 21. If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. So how are we taught Jesus? In church. When we hear the gospel, Jesus, using the words that are spoken with the power of the Holy Ghost, using the Holy Ghost, will reveal to the people the meaning of the word of the living God. Jesus, through the Holy Ghost, they are the ones who teach us the word. How do we know how to live this life? Jesus, through the Holy Ghost. What did Jesus say in John 14? That the Holy Ghost would teach you. And one of the things that the Holy Ghost teaches is about how to live this life. A few years ago, we heard of life coaches. Well, here's the good news. Jesus provided you a life coach. His name is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your coach on how to get through this life. All you have to do is follow the leading and the guiding of the Holy Ghost who will coach you through this life. Understand, we've watched enough football or baseball or basketball that a coach cannot go out on the field and run to play. As much as the coach of the 49ers would love to go out there and run to play, he cannot. Why? He's the coach. 
He's got to make sure everyone knows what they're doing to stick to the game plan. The Holy Ghost, He is doing the same thing. He is putting us into the position where we can make the correct decisions into living a holy lifestyle. Verse 22, that she put off concerning the former conversation or conduct. The old man. Now, that is what we have been seeing in Romans 6. The old man dead and buried with Christ. Here Paul said, you put it off. The old man is done and finished. We as believers, we need to celebrate this. The old man died with Christ. The old man was buried with Christ. The life we once lived. That doesn't exist anymore. Why? Because the one leading us into doing this died with Christ and is buried with Christ and will not come back to life because Christ came back as what? The one bringing the new man, which we Read about in verse 24. But let's finish verse 22. That ye put off concerning the former conversation or conduct, the old man which is corrupt to the deceitful lust. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How is our mind Renewed. This is where the Holy Ghost will lead us down a different path. I know we look at a lot about how to live this life in the sense of thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain and thou shalt not steal or kill or covet, or things like that. We have a pretty good handle on the thou shall nots. But what about the thou shall do's? Like starting with the renewing of our mind. And how does that begin? The Bible. Being in the Word. And not just on a sporadic occasion. It takes opening the Word, studying it, and reading it. What we need to do, if you are not already doing this, is really establish a time where you will be in the Word. Establish a time when we will be in prayer. That is the renewing of the mind. The Spirit 
renewing us when we're in the Word and we're in prayer. Now, to make this possible, I would strongly suggest that the phone be in another room. That the phone is not in the room where you are reading and studying and praying to the Lord. The best way to avoid that distraction is for that distraction to be somewhere else. Are we together on this? We need to really, to renew our mind, allow the Spirit to speak to our new inner man uninterrupted without the worry of a text message or an incoming call. We need, in the renewing of our mind, to also be in church. The church is the place where the mind is renewed. Now, who is the one renewing the mind? The Holy Spirit will renew your mind if you allow Him. Understand, the old had a lot of information in your mind. And when we believed in Jesus, we really started with very little spiritual knowledge in our mind. But the Spirit taught us these things over time. Before we hit the next verse, I really want to stress this. When new converts enter into a church, we need to remember that they do not yet know very much about things spiritual. We need to take the time to renew their mind as led by the Spirit. That means, yes, going back to basics. Now, I know going back to basics, that's actually not easy for established believers. I mean, it's hard, if you think about it, trying to teach the basic concept of math to a kid. It's not easy. Yet, As a church, these minds that need to be renewed are starting with very little. And we need to be extremely patient in dealing with new converts and those which do not yet have the information that the Holy Ghost wants them to have. Minds will be renewed when the Spirit operates. And we need to help to make sure that happens. Verse 24, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Righteousness. Right 
standing with God. Holiness. Being separated from the things of the world. Our God is holy. And we need to be holy as well. Well, how is that possible? There is no holiness without the Holy Ghost. Follow the leading and the guiding of the Spirit. Now, what happens in verse 25? That will continue through the rest of chapter 4 and all of chapter 5, which I'm not going to read to you, thankfully. Therefore, putting away lying, be angry and sin not, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. What do we see? As new men in Christ, the Apostle Paul, by the leading and the guiding of the Spirit, is establishing the morality of the believers. We are to still live a moral life. Understand this. Morality isn't law. We'll get to the law in a moment. Morality is God's standard of right and wrong. And God's standard of right and wrong has not changed, will not change. And the Holy Spirit will help us live this life. By following God's standard for morality. Are we still here? Okay, back to Romans. Romans chapter 8. I want us to start this time. The question, Romans chapter 6. The question in verse 15. What then? So we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace. Now, Paul knows a thing or two about the Old Testament law. When he was a Pharisee, before the days that he believed in the gospel, Paul was the Pharisee's Pharisee. One who knew the Old Testament law backwards and forwards. If there was any man who would be for the following of the law as a moral code, the Apostle Paul would be that man because he lived his life following that code religiously. Yet what happens at the beginning of Acts 15? At the beginning of Acts 15, after Paul returns from the first missionary journey with Barnabas, Acts 15, verse 1, 
And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, when we talk about the Old Testament law, it goes really beyond the Ten Commandments. We're talking about holy days. We're talking about rites and rituals that was given by God to Israel. Are we together on this? Now, Paul and Barnabas, he was working in Antioch in a Gentile church. If there was ever a moment when Paul could have stood up and said, Follow the law! Amen! This was it. Yet Paul was the one who stood his ground and said, We are not called to the Old Testament law. Let me read the verse. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. In other words, they dug in their heels and they said, No, the Gentile believers are not called to follow the Old Testament law. Paul fought for this principle. They went to Jerusalem, the council of Jerusalem, and what happened? We see what Peter said on that occasion. Let me read, starting with verse 8. And God, which knows the heart, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So how are we saved? Peter is establishing the point. It is not by the following of the law. He said what? By faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? In other words, the disciples in Jerusalem were like the Old Testament Hebrews. They could not keep the law. Verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So what is the point being made here? Salvation by faith through grace. The favor of God is ours. Not because we follow the Old Testament law from Exodus 20 all the way to the last chapter of Deuteronomy. There is a lot more to the law than the Ten Commandments. Those who were Judaizers, they wanted the church, Gentiles especially, to follow this. 
Peter, Paul, James, they were of the same mind. No, they are not called to the law. We are saved by faith. We are under grace, the favor of God, because we believe in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection, the Holy Spirit infilling now inside of us. Are we still here? Now, what happens? Paul, he goes back to Antioch. He makes the trip to the Galatia region. He brings them the letter written from the Council of Jerusalem, basically saying that the Gentiles were not under the law. Then he goes on his way to conduct what would be the second and later the third missionary journey. And what happens? The same troublemakers from Antioch arrive and they teach the same thing. The whole point of the book of Galatians is what? We are not under law. We are under grace. Are we together on this? I know there are religious groups, Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah Witnesses, others, who are of the mind that they are under the Old Testament law. No, they're not. Even if they claim to be, they're not. They're not even following it correctly. The last time I looked, none of them's offering sacrifices. So what do they know about what they claim? They are not to follow the law. Paul is clear. Peter is clear. The Holy Ghost is clear. We are not under the Old Testament law. But the question that Paul asked in Romans chapter 6 was what? Since we are not under the law... Can we live a sinful lifestyle? That's the point he was making here. What did it say? Shall we sin or live a sinful lifestyle? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. Paul is basically repeating the point made earlier regarding the Jews who followed the law and the Gentiles who did not follow the law. Can we live a sinful lifestyle now that we are under grace? Paul's answer, no. We are under the favor of God. And the favor of God begins with what? The shed blood of Jesus, the forgiving of our sins, the death of the old, the coming to life of the new, the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Holy Spirit will not lead us into an immoral, sinful lifestyle. But He will lead us into a victorious lifestyle based on the favor that God has given to us. We have been called, what? We saw it earlier. To righteousness and holiness. But not our own. This is not self-righteousness in any stretch of the word. This is 
the leading and the guiding of the Holy Ghost. This is why being in the Word is so important. Where do you learn the voice of the Spirit? I really believe, from what I've been going through, that you learn the voice of the Spirit in the Word of God and in prayer. And not just out loud reading, though everyone should read through the Bible at least once a year. But with that said, the Holy Ghost, when we meditate and think upon the Word, the Holy Ghost will begin to reveal the Word. Years ago, when I was studying the Word, at first I was wondering, why am I getting these thoughts here? At first I was dismissing it. Until it dawned on me, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of the inner man. And at that moment, I began to learn what the voice of the Spirit is. The voice of the Spirit really is developed in the prayer closet. It is developed in the church. When you need the help of the Holy Spirit in living your life, even in the times when you are outside the prayer closet, when you are outside the church, because you got to know the Spirit inside the prayer closet, because you got to know the Spirit inside your local church, you were able to hear the voice of the Spirit, to recognize His voice so He could lead you into righteousness. Are we together on this? We know the righteousness of God because the Spirit reveals this to us. What we need to be as believers, we need to really begin to learn the voice of the Spirit. I said, that happens in the time we are alone with the Spirit. We must really begin to dedicate ourselves into allowing the Spirit to train us to hear His voice. Final point. Parents will understand this. Why does the child do what a parent asks them to do, usually? Because when the child was very young, the parent taught the child not just to speak, but the parent taught the child how to hear the voice of the parents. Even when the parents are old and the children are adults, they still know the voice of the parents. But where did the parents 
teach their babies about their voice. It wasn't at the stadium. It wasn't in the bar. It wasn't in doing all the things in and around them. It was usually in the quiet of their home. Where mama was teaching the kid the word mama. She wasn't just teaching the kid to say the word. She was teaching the child to hear the word. And then later on, public situations, when the parent said something, the kid responded because it goes all the way back to when the child learned the voice. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you His voice. But this happens in the prayer closet. It happens in the church. Believers tonight, if you want to live the Spirit-led life, we must understand and learn the voice of the Spirit. And allow the Spirit to teach this voice to us. And then when we learn His voice, we will respond second nature, just like a child responds to his parents. Let's stand across the church tonight. Hallelujah.